Global from Asia, episode 262. Talking about New York to Taiwan while we're in Hong Kong. Welcome to the Global from Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now, your host, Michael Michelini. Greetings from a pretty sweet hotel in Ningbo, a city in Zhejiang province in China. And I'm on the road again. This podcast keeps me on the road. I hope everybody's having a super week. It's right smack dab in the middle of the summer, at least depending on what you define summer. But July seems like a middle of the summer kind of month, and we're in the middle of July. We are getting so close to the cross-border summit. I mean, three months away or so. And uh, we will be opening up tickets to early birds soon so if you're on our email list you'll be getting that later this week and if you're our member gfa vip you'll be getting even more amazing opportunities so just keeping that in in motion pushing it forward this week we have a pretty interesting interview i was at the rise conference it's one of the biggest startup conferences in asia or if not the biggest fourth year i believe been to most of them here at gfa and we brought for you a pretty amazing entrepreneur she's got a lot of energy she's really enthused and it's relevant i mean she was she's from taiwan came back to or came to new york she's traveled all around the world actually ended up in new york for a few years found her passion in design and made a software startup to help e-commerce companies using AI to create all this content or social media or even e-commerce content for their multiple channels. It's a pretty smart little tool. And we, before we get into the tool, we talk about her, her story and her journey, of course, coming back to Asia. And we met in Hong Kong and it was a pretty interesting call conversation excuse me i had a little media pass so i could get into the media booth a lot of you know a lot of gear here i'm carrying around and ran out of battery in the middle but i you know had a backup solution so i think it's a pretty pretty amazing interview i hope you guys enjoy episode 262 of global from asia i'll sneak in a little blah 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 some things i learned at the rise conference and a little shout out to amazing people that helped out covering the event for with global from asia lorenzo lucian we had amazing people francisco we had ivy you'll be seeing articles from them if you want to check out our uh, contributions about what we saw at the RISE conference. It's at globalformasia.com slash rise-conference. It's a whole little mini site there. We're building out amazing content, as always, here at Global Formasia, and I hope you enjoy. And now let's tune into this interview. I also snuck a little photo with her at the uh, media interview area. We'll try to put some stuff on the show notes if you want to see that, as well as the full transcription. We mentioned a video. I did do a demo video with her, but... I'm on the road and the internet sucks. I don't think I'll be able to get it to Alvin to edit in time for this Tuesday show. But stay tuned. It will be coming out on our Global from Asia video content. Let's roll. Let's go into the interview. 262. Do you need to make micro payments or small payments to suppliers? I was talking to a friend and he said, Hey, Mike, do you know a cheaper way than me wiring small bits of money to factories? 
in China for these small orders, like buying from the Ewu market, I'm buying from these other places. I have small contract, small contractor projects to pay. I don't want to keep paying wiring fees for 500, 200, 300, 800 dollars. And I was like, definitely check out Global from Asia's ongoing sponsor, GoRemit.hk. These guys have been supporting the show, and I've also been using them for years. You can fund the account from your Hong Kong bank to their Hong Kong bank, pay just a domestic fee for that, and top up as much as you see suitable to use, and then make payments to mainland China, Philippines for your VA, your online team, Thailand for your rent like me, and other places around the world. I hope you can check them out. Tell them GFA sent you. They're awesome. All right. Thank you, everybody. Tuning in on our Global From Asia podcast. We're here in the RISE conference in Hong Kong 2019. So as some of the listeners know, I like to kind of scope out startups. And uh, while there's not too much e-commerce and uh, it's mostly like, you know, SaaS companies and others, uh, today I, I stopped by my friends at Startup Stadium and Holly introduced me to one of her, one of her startups, Jennifer. Hi guys. Hey. So we got a we got some story. I think it's gonna be good. It's gonna be a little bit of education, a little bit like your story. Yeah. So you know, Holly's like, oh, here's Jennifer Chen from Dip Inc. Yes. So you're you're a Taiwanese, a born, you know, what in China they call it Haigui. Do you know what a Haigui? Yes, hai- yes, yes. Like you know, a sea turtle. The, yeah, yeah. So you're kind of a sea turtle, right? And yeah, a, for sure. So she's she was born in Taiwan, came, went to, I'll let her maybe explain, but she was in New York for a few years, but uh, came back when? Just recently? Last year, uh, March 2018. March 2018. Yeah. And and then, uh, but you seem like Australia, UK, US, you want to give us a little yes. bit of your, your background? Of course. So uh, thank you, Mike, for having me on the show. Um, I'm Jen, co-founder and CEO of DIP. And we're a SaaS platform that specifically help uh, consumer retail brands do better digital marketing design. Um, And like Mike said, uh, I was originally born in Taiwan. And I lived in Taiwan for until I was about 12 years old. And then I moved to Australia. I was in Australia for middle school and it was just me, like my parents didn't move with me. Uh, My parents have always been in Taiwan and China. Um, It was just my, I guess, adventurous soul. Okay, wow. (laughs) At 12. At 12. Wow, that's hardcore, man. Kind of ridiculous. I I think I would still be considered running away from home in the U.S. Right. So a lot (laughs) of my friends said, like, were you a bad child? Did you misbehave? Is that why they sent you to a boarding school? <laughs> but now, nah, like, you know, I think for for better education and for just overall a better variety uh, during your schooling uh, period okay. was the reason why they sent uh, my brother and I abroad. Okay. And after sixth grade, I moved to Australia and I spent about three years there. And, but it was always my dream to go to uh, either Oxford or Cambridge in the UK for university. Right. I didn't know what I wanted to study then. I just wanted to go to either one of them. Okay. Uh, probably because my godfather was British. And oh. that's why like, we always got the school British school brochures. Uh, and at that time, I think I was in ninth grade. And I thought, 
it would be it would probably make more sense if I were to move to a British high school and apply for a British university. So I just packed my bags and found a school and moved to the UK. Oh wow! Yeah, it was a small town uh, just outside of Bath in the uh, southwest of the the uh, southwest England, and I hated it. Oh really? All right, there you um, go. I guess it doesn't always work. Um, even though you're just like moving from one school to another, it was a, it was very different. Um, not sure why, but probably because Melbourne in Australia was still a big city and people were friendly. I think in UK people were still plenty friendly, uh, but somehow I just didn't quite like the vibe. Maybe it was the the I think gloomy it's a weather. Smaller, <laughs> it's a smaller, you know. I think maybe London. I've been to London for a month or so, and. I think maybe it's not as international where you were. You seem like a smaller, you said smaller place. Maybe. I always remember that, like, because under the British education, we have AS level and A level. That's basically the, the, the exam you took in your junior year of high school and a senior year of high school. Okay. And both of these scores combined would... Uh, decide whether or not you can get into the colleges or universities you apply for. And uh, I study math, art, economics, and French. Mm. And because everybody, you only have to study four subjects. Any Anyone can pick any four, which means that like you would have big math classes and very small art classes. Mm. And I was the only Asian in oh, the art class. And I always remember that the teacher was saying that like, like, why would you take art? You know, Asian people don't take art. <laughs> and I was like, that, that completely defeated the purpose of my mother moving me <laughs> abroad West, for a yeah. supposedly more uh, diverse education, you know? Yeah. Um, so so I guess yeah, like that was, cool. that was why. Uh, I was like, you know, I don't think this is for me. And at that time, I finally decided that, you know, advertising and graphic design was what I wanted to do. Awesome. And uh, I think there is no better place than New York City True. than to study design. So at the age of 17, couldn't even wait till I graduated university. I already took my SAT and I went to, I moved to New York and studied my, uh, started my college life. Okay. Yeah. Where, where, where'd you study? School of Visual Arts oh, SBA, in New York yeah. City. Yeah. I know. Yeah, like we were saying before the interview, I, I spent about five years on I, Wall Street. Well, I worked on Wall Street, but I lived in like Lower East Side yeah. or I lived in Murray Hill. It's a couple different places. Started my eBay business for the listeners that follow along. But awesome, SVA, and then, and then uh, five years in New York? Four years of school, eight years of working. Okay. So... 12 years in total nice, being, nice. In, being a New Yorker awesome. and uh, you know 17 to 28 nice. and more that basically turned me into a New Yorker I know I feel <laughs> I can feel the New York in you it's awesome <laughs> but yeah I, yeah I, was, I think you'd agree or it seems like New York's still my favorite city I mean Hong Kong's cool I don't I actually haven't been to Taipei or Taiwan but uh, I think it's hard to beat uh, the New York the, the, the hustle, like the, the, the hustle, the the, the, the attitude, the attitude. diversity. I have so many stories. Uh, yeah, but it makes you tough. Like especially twelve. I spent I listed five years, but you yeah. were twelve, and uh, it's 
it's an, a, a vibrant city for sure. And uh, yeah, it was a fun time. Uh, but towards uh, uh, closer to 20, end of 2017, we decided to start our company. And at that time, it was just in idea stage. So we did a lot of pitching competitions. Um, and because I, I, I was born in Taiwan, so I, I tried to like, I tried to understand what the startup ecosystem is like, both in, in the States as well as in Asia. Um, in the States, obviously, everybody knows about Silicon Valley. But in New York City, it's actually not very early, early stage startup friendly, you know, like investors would come in at series B, C, mm -hmm. maybe like at a much later stage. So for me, I was finding it a little difficult okay. to, to find that uh, first money. And also New York City is uh, the expenses is on a whole uh, other level. <laughs> I totally understand that. That's kind of my, my story was uh, Wall Street five years, save money, sold on eBay. And then went full time on seller, and uh, was like, yeah, I can't stay in New York. Like seriously, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's hard. And yeah, so just like one opportunity, I came to Taiwan and mm -hmm. I did one of the uh, Taiwanese government programs, which was uh, global startup talents okay. at Taipei. So their entire initiative was to. Uh, inbound foreign startups to invest into Taiwan. And that could be just set up your company, hire people, build your R&D team, etc. And you know, when I first started, I was already hiring engineers from uh, Israel, uh, Belarus, India, Philippines. Um, there, were, there were more talents in those regions. And I thought, you know, like, they all say that Taiwan has good engineering talent. It's my own country. Like, why am not? Why am I not giving it a try? True. So, I decided to apply to one of the uh, startup accelerators in Taiwan called AppWorks, mm -hmm. and told myself that if we got in, and at that time it was just my co-founder and I. He still has his full time his full time job then, so it was really just me. But if we got in, we would both move to Taiwan. Nice. So you're both from both were in New York. Yes. Okay. Okay. So we met in university and nice. uh, started the company in 2017. While we actually both worked in different advertising agencies, um, and we got in, right. quit our Congrats. job, moved to Taipei. Uh, was lucky enough to close one round of VC funding in Singapore. Congrats. Um, and we've been in Taipei ever since for the last 18 months. Great. So it's good to be back? Yes. Yes, I think uh, it's very different. Um, small things, right? Like setting up a bank account. <laughs> um, it's very, very easy in New York City. Yeah. Um, it's very, very difficult in Taipei <laughs> or Taiwan. Yeah, it seems like everywhere is everywhere else I don't know what it is but definitely in Hong Kong and other parts of Asia banking has gotten really hard the last few years we've been yeah but but maybe it's more more protection more security mm. um, for the banks I think they the reason the glow the public reason I think is they think startups are money laundering or we're gonna like investors invest and then they get money out I've heard in uh. 
or we're not stable as a, as a startup because we come and go or we're not profitable to the comp to the bank because we don't we don't make we don't have so much money in the bank we don't right. do a lot of right products i sometimes tell listeners buy the insurance <laughs> they, they, i don't know about taiwan but in hong kong if you buy the insurance they'll like Oh, pay more attention to your norm because they make money on the insurance. I so see, I see. sometimes that's a little tip for some people. But but yeah. so 18 months and then we met at the startup stadium. Yes. You're part of the, actually. I don't really fully understand. I know it's a it's a space. It's a program. It's, it's a it's a program. It's almost like an incubator, uh, but with a membership system. So. Okay. They don't run in cohorts, mm. but in memberships. So mm. once you get accepted, once you pass their interview process, um, you're in it, and they're different. They do various programs such mm. as investor matching or maybe mentor matching. Cool. Uh, or one of these programs, right? You can pitch as a startup. It's a one-minute pitch without slides. Okay. And... Uh, the selected startups can basically be a part of these uh, conferences. Okay. So this year there were 15 startups selected out of, I think, over hundreds of startups who pitched. And five went to Collision in Canada, five went to Texas in Bangkok, yeah. and five are here in Hong Kong nice. for Rice. Nice. Yeah. So you're one of the five. Congrats. Yes, yes. Thank you. So I'm, uh, maybe I should, I skipped ahead a little bit. So AppWorks. Mm-hmm. And then how did, how was that or how did that go? Or is that still happening? Yes. So AppWorks is one of the biggest startup accelerator in greater Southeast Asia. So that's Southeast Asia plus Hong Kong and Taiwan. Okay. Um, and it's, I think at this point they have over... 800 startup companies Whoa. because they're in their eighth year and okay. they run two cohorts uh, every year. Yeah. So it's a no funding but no equity taken type of uh, program okay. that runs for six months with the biggest demo day that any startup founders can hope for. Wow in Taipei and you really get exposure from investors, media, uh, different corporate uh, corporations that can potentially do partner uh, do, do pilots with the startup companies and it, it's great like for us we first reached out to TSS back when we were still in New York and TSS is Taiwan Startup Stadium oh, okay, got it, got yeah and uh, we needed them to help us soft land in Taiwan and with the help of Taiwan Startup Stadium plus AppWorks we really were able to find good accountant good lawyer to help us register set up because I mean like I read Chinese but when it comes to legal documents I don't think it's a reading issue (laughs) yeah nobody it's a it's a stay awake issue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's just it's impossible, and you know. So like, we needed a lot of help. We needed to know how to hire people, how to hire local talents. So uh, we were able to move into AbWorks and their space. Okay. Uh, set up our office there for six months. So we were there from 
March to uh, August, September, and then officially move in as a startup who pays rent starting September. Okay. And they have these like HR master or uh, design master. They can help with whatever that you need. And the HR master help us uh, set up like, okay, these should be your job description. Like there's certain formats and you can look on XYZ platforms and these are the salary standards. Okay. Like we didn't know any of those things. Yeah, it's helpful for sure. Yeah. And um, we did that. And now we are a eight people team. We have moved out of AbWorks because it's, getting a little too tight for okay. eight people okay and to into another co-working space uh, also in Taipei but uh, yeah nice so you're at eight now that's that's great you're, and we will put the video in the show notes we just did a quick video she demoed some of this uh, there's as everybody knows in expos there's limited internet or not the best internet so some of it we uh, we gave a brief overview of that but she did a great demo for that we'll put it in the show so let's talk about the product um and massimo yes is massimo the, is the name of the guy girl is the name of the the ai designer the des AI now, it's designer. a bit of a unisex person oh. but he's named after uh a legendary designer massimo vignelli who designed the new york city subway map Oh. Uh, the story goes, when I was looking for a job after I graduated from SVA, I was sending my resumes to my, to my basically, des the, the design icons that I really looked up to and I really want to work at. And Vignale was one of the studios I emailed my resumes to. Even though he couldn't offer me a job then, he wrote a very kind and supportive email, read, went through my entire portfolio and said, you know, if they had the capacity in the future, they would definitely want to work with me. And for a 21-year-old awesome. uh, in New York City trying to find a job, that was one of the nicest things that anybody could say. So even to this day, I have the screenshot of that email. Massimo is no longer, uh, but the platform is named after him. Okay, there you yeah. go. And so yeah, we we I, you showed me the demo, and I'll try my best to say it first before you clarify. But <laughs> it's AI optimized graphics, so it's kind of like it's true. Like you're targeting SME e-commerce sellers, from what I understand, that. Uh, want to go multi-channel and don't also know they have maybe you can even help with finding images but they can also upload the images and then yeah like you got to put text on images now right it's banners everybody needs these banners and all these social media graphics and different sizes for different platforms so you're yeah. helping kind of like do all do that yes we use uh, various algorithms to help design all the banners you need uh, on any digital uh, marketing channels. And like you said, because the digital advertising scene is so different these days, you know, with all the cross-platform programmatic bidding and targeting, really, there is no longer such a thing as like one ad fits all. Mm -hmm. Like you sort of, like for every ad that you want to make, 
not only you have to design it, you have to design it in probably 30 additional sizes yes, that you didn't so know. Annoying. Yeah. So our platform basically helps mainly consumer brands. Uh, a lot of them are doing social commerce or e-commerce and they have quick product rotation. You know, so on a monthly basis, there's probably over 50 new products coming online and they need to launch it. They need to add their logo so that they can brand the photography. They may need to add some slogan or a quick description so they can add those photos onto all the different e-commerce marketplaces that are currently their sales channels. So that's the launching part. And after you launch, the traffic needs to come from somewhere. And a lot of times that's advertising or social media marketing. And that's also a very time consuming process. So our platform using algorithm to build this recommendation engine basically designs all the content you may need for any channels, any formats that you select, and we generate up to 24 different design variations. So uh, in the promo section, we basically use the algorithm to instantly generate up to 24 different design variations for all the digital marketing formats uh, that you will need. And as a active digital marketing brand you know it's not it's not just designing and publishing you also need all the variations so you can do an effective split testing which is why we give you so many variations not only that they have been predicted to have a higher click-through rate out of thousands of possible combinations uh, you can also select from the 24 five of your favorite ones um, do minor edits and tweak it to a point where you're ready to publish and you can publish five at the same time. When you have, when you have a set amount of digital marketing budget, there's really no reason why you're not maximizing it by launching your campaign in as many sizes as possible, as well as testing what your target customers re, uh, are attracted to. So let's give an example. So some of the listeners know uh, we have a coffee product brand. So we sell like mocha pots and, and French presses and stuff. Uh, I'm a partner in this company. So we have Facebook, we have Instagram. Of course, we sell on Amazon. Um, we have our like a WordPress blog. Probably should be on more, but we're mostly just really selling on Amazon right now. But could, could we, how would we use something like this? So take the coffee brand, for example. Um, what's the name of the Sisitano? Okay, so Sisitano, there is a logo for Sisitano, and I'm sure there are plenty of great product photos of the French press and all of those. Uh, first, you can upload all the product photos and lifestyle shots, and the platform will then take that, as well as your logo and maybe um, your marketing promotional sticker say bestseller and taking all the photos you can upload 10 20 product photos and it will automatically stamp 
logo and the sticker bestseller onto all of your product shots plus pricing and find the most optimal position of where to place the logo and the sticker so that you get more attention in this very rapidly moving digital world. So that's the launch where you do multi-content campaign and that you can immediately launch as your Facebook shopping catalog or uh, upload to Amazon and the pictures are sized appropriately for those. Now, once you've launched, take the same photos, move to multi-size campaign, and now it's time for you to select Instagram story, Instagram feed, Facebook carousel ad, Facebook standard image for your fan page posting. So select all those sizes and take your French press photo as well as maybe your coffee bean photo because that's a combo you're currently selling. Your logo is still in there. A marketing copy could be, um, what is it that's coming up? Uh, is there a holiday coming up? Um, <laughs> well, I don't know. But in Taiwan, it's going to be Father's Day in August. So maybe um, the best Father's Day combo is your marketing copy. And your call to action can be shopped now. You can select from our drop down. Now what the algorithm is doing is analyzing the, uh, the product photos that you've given us, given the platform, and the sentiment of your marketing copy. So taking all of those uh, inputs that you've done, we are then able to give you 24 different design combinations and you can preview it directly on the platform it's not going to cost you anything so you can just look at them uh, they load four at a time so remember to click more ads down the bottom so you can load and see click open each one of them change the colors tweak the position a little bit because we say we're AI we say we're data driven but small brands you always have your favorite color right you got to add that in there so do that and select your favorite ones and click preview and download once you download that's when you actually pay uh, pay means it deducts from your design credit the images get saved into your local and they are sized exactly for Facebook for any platform so you don't have to worry about the dimension or the file size everything is done to the T they're also in the dashboard so you can create Facebook campaigns you can publish to Facebook right away if you like you can do your Google Ads yeah so yeah I know I get it and uh they're looking at me weird. It's true. It's been it's getting towards our normal about 30 minutes. So I think, I think um, to summarize, it's yeah, like an AI content creating and pu publishing. It's also publishing for multi-channel social media, with, and it would also track conversion because it, it sees what's happening. We. We track the uh, click-through rates because obviously that's the most immediate reaction if you see a good ad. So we, we take the performance, click-through rate performance, as well as the edits that you make in the campaign. 
combining both of those to optimize the algorithm. So the more you use our platform, the better the algorithm is going to personalize itself for the user. Exciting, exciting. So we will link to the show notes, the video that we just recorded. And then, of course, how can people find, find the website, find you or other, other things? So, uh, easiest way, go to our Facebook, and our Facebook fan page handle is dip, D-I-P-P, dot global. Uh, the, our actual platform is available in both English, traditional Chinese, and simplified Chinese. So, um, I guess for all of your reader, uh, listeners, they should be able to access it. And... Uh, Dip.global is also our handle on Instagram. Our website is withdip.com, or you can simply Google Massimo by Dip. All right. Thank you so much, Jennifer. It's been a pleasure to have happy we got connected to Startup Stadium. Thank you, Mike, for having me on the show again. Are you curious about some interesting services to check out in the cross-border business arena? Did you know Global from Asia has a reviews directory where you can check out new and relevant services and different tools for your cross-border e-commerce business check out globalfromasia.com reviews we're adding new reviews regularly and the amazing part is i have an amazing team to help me with this we have people contacting us who want to be listed in our reviews we have people on the team helping editing posting and i would love it if you would check it out you can also see ones that are there. Give your feedback, your ratings, so share with your friends and more. I'd love to make this an extensive directory to help business owners around the world with their cross-border business in and out of Asia. Thank you so much and check them out. Check it out, globalasia.com slash reviews. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for sharing. It was great to have you. And even with our technical difficulties, I know Alvin's our magic man editor making things happen so i think i think we kept it all together i hope you all enjoyed i'm sounding like i'm from texas or something but i really do hope you enjoy this show we work hard to keep these on track even on on the road uh we have some amazing interviews in the works Uh, i'm very proud to share it with everyone i wonder what you think you know she did she make the right move? Seems like she made the right move coming back to Asia, come back to her home base of Taiwan. She's growing her eight staff and things are really moving for her. I'm, I'm happy to, to have been able to get some of her story at this point. For me, you know, as far as the RISE conference, like I mentioned, we had amazing representation there with others helping cover different startups and different e-commerce events and we're going to get so much amazing content out to everybody in the future you know you can check out the rise conference mini site we're building out all these um all these ways to get you more knowledge and information of what's happening in 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 uh, in cross-border e-commerce and asia business amazon of course and other other things so i hope everybody is enjoying that and it's just really hard for us to keep everybody up to date with everything that is happening here. We got just so much, so much content. So if you have any suggestions of guests or, or different ways, um, my voice, some people don't like my voice or, or the way that I sound too young. Actually, I'm doing some consulting here in 
in Ningbo and I met them and they're like, whoa, you're like, you look like 22 years old. I'm like, I, I'm like 38 or 37 or something like that. Um, 1981. But yeah, you know, uh, we keep it real here. But as far as what we saw at Rise Conference, there's a lot of stuff coming out of Southeast Asia. I think Lorenzo Lucian and Ivy Francisco and I saw a lot of stuff in Thailand, Vietnam, Philippines for, for e-commerce. I mean, there's local marketplaces. There's there's some really interesting new ways of logistics coming out. And just like I said earlier in the show, we've had, we've had a lot of interesting things coming out of there. Also in Hong Kong, we, we did a video interview with a exchange platform for baby clothes, which I think is very much needed in Hong Kong because the clothes is so expensive. Life is so expensive in Hong Kong. So by you being able to, you know, buy secondhand clothes and sell secondhand baby clothes as kids grow so fast, you're just basically throwing stuff out. It's also really good for the environment. And as far as what I saw at the Rise Conference, they had Patty, the founder of Web Summit, do a press conference. I was, I rushed over there at the media room to get some exposure to what they're talking about with their perspectives. And I asked a question about Huawei or the tariffs. What is more painful to China? And it, he even admitted he didn't give me a direct answer, but what he, he was talking about the Huawei side. And what he said was in Japan, the same thing happened with the U.S., the U.S., uh, a couple decades ago was blocking uh, Japan from from expanding in America or growing their technology to the U.S. market. So Japan, he said, expanded globally and built out even more globally so that they weren't as reliant on the U.S. And he, he made it seem like that's what Huawei will do and it will be you know globally strong and kind of almost weaken America because it'll be this global not reliant on the U.S. economy. Uh, technology company so that was that was pretty uh interesting to hear and you know an american and you know actually i was interviewed on bloomberg also last week i I don't know if anybody saw i was quoted in bloomberg the reporter shelly um really was fascinated with my conversation and wanted to make a podcast they're they're having a podcast about it and i'll be a guest on their show and i think they're releasing it later but uh, or they're gonna do it before and after trade war, or you know, the next few months, what how it affects you. But I was on Bloomberg, and one of her questions, and it was like a thirty-minute interview. She says how my parents felt when I came to uh, when I came to China, and uh, I talked about this a little bit on my personal blog, but especially my mom was not so happy. I guess you know, like all these, I guess educated Americans are taking our knowledge outside of America and you know maybe that's what will happen with this Huawei thing with you know back to that patty discussion you know like I think countries that can get the smart people to go and stay there will be the ones that win you know I talk to a lot of people and we're all just bouncing all around especially when we can work anywhere it makes you really wonder where should I live and where should I p- the smart people are the ones that will be able to work anywhere I think and I think it's it's risky to be all in on one country to be all in either as a, for your team or for your selling you know your customers or your suppliers I think all this trade war stuff is just going to force us to be more diversified with our customers with our with our suppliers with our 
team, you know, I think we're just going to have to be more and more remote, more and more online. I think that's at least what I'm thinking. I can't, I can't, uh, I can't really be in a physical location. I don't trust it. And, and, uh, we're in our blah, blah, blah. And I'm not really talking about the rise conference too much, but we have a huge section about it at globalformation.com slash rise dash conf conference, where you can really dive deep into a lot of different articles we'll be publishing over the next couple of weeks. But that's what I'm really working. That's what I'm so excited about there. I was there for a day. I had to come to Ningbo to do a consulting session for some training for a factory. And these uh, these guys are really amazing and girls to um, step it up at the rise on behalf of Global From Asia. And we got amazing content coming and things are moving. So that's that's my goal. I can't be the only person to do everything, and I I just need to have good people that are uh, want to help in the community. So we have the membership, and we have these events, and we have more ways to have contributors. Bennett Little, I'm not sure if he listens to the podcast. Bennett, if you're listening, let me know. But he's a contributor. We have globalmedia.com/news, and he's writing global gab column. So it's like a gag. A discussion about the economy and international business and and that's that's amazing and we're we're just working really hard here to keep things rocking and rolling i think i'm done for the blah 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 we are just i don't know maybe i'll get some new new people help hosting this show i'm just really excited that we get more and more people on the team involved april's doing amazing mark ramos is doing amazing with the cross-border summit planning. We got people that want to watch on Bay tours. We've had on the site for a while. We got some big groups coming in from Europe. We have people on Iwu tours. So it's just really amazing. I I just want to see Global from Asia become bigger than me because I'm a pretty crazy, up and down kind of person, and I need some more stable people with uh, stable projects coming in, which seems to be happening. So thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to this session. I wonder if you're still listening. I think, Lorenzo, I think you're listening all the way till the end. So, appreciate that. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.